Welcome to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. Soul is a production of Through the Word. That's the intro. Time for the show. So let's get to it. You've got to hear this story. All right, looks like the timer is up. So if you are watching live, welcome back to our live broadcast of the Soul Podcast. And uh, we're going to start part two of this episode. Brad, I just put you on. Hey, hey Brad. So uh, hey. welcome back to the Soul Podcast. This is season two, episode two. Double-double yep. on our Soul Podcast for today. And uh, we're going to be continuing our our conversation with, uh, with Dr. Dung Trin, also known as our buddy Iggy. And uh, so we'll have him back here momentarily. But uh, uh, those of you guys watching live, thanks for watching live again. Uh, this is a new way of doing it. We haven't done this before. It's the first time we've actually tried recording live. So welcome to live show. And those who are watching live have been uh, posting a few questions for our conversation for Dr. Trin. So thanks for doing that. If you're just showing up for, for this, please post in the comments. Tell us where you are, are uh, watching from and if you got any questions. Uh, so, Brad, how do you like conversation so far? Man, it's just uh, it's it's mind blowing to me. I you know I'm I'm a history teacher and we mentioned that on other other shows. Uh, so to hear his story is something that I've one learned about, read about, taught about, watched videos on. You know, I mean it's it's amazing to to hear what he went through. Um, you know, and I, I, I think it's history at five years old. <laughs> at five years old, and I mean obviously had a huge impact. I mean he's five years old and he has a vivid memory of that that whole process. So. Hmm. Uh, yeah, powerful. And then just his wisdom, you know, with the, the medical field. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I think it, it helps me out because I get my own mind going and I'm probably not as smart as, as Iggy is. Well, I'm definitely not as smart <laughs> as Iggy. Yeah, right. As we talk uh, COVID-19 <laughs> stuff and coronavirus, it, it is great to uh, to get to talk one-on-one with uh, with somebody who, uh, who's who got some good balance insight. And I really appreciate talking to a, uh, a Christian who, uh, with as a doctor, has a focus on preventative health because that is always where mindset, my mindset is at. Well, let's bring him back uh, here in episode two. Welcome back, uh, Dr. Trin. Good to see you again. It's good to so see you. <laughs> here I am again. <laughs> and uh, are we going live on your Facebook as well? You know, I don't know if I set it up uh, correctly, but but I can see you on yours. So we're good. <laughs> we're good. Okay. Well, uh, if uh, if you're watching live, go ahead and hit the share button if you want to do that. If you want to tell your friends about this, this is the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, and grace in the real world. And uh, and this is uh, really a, a, a powerful story as uh, as Iggy, you're sharing your testimony. Now we got to hear some of we got to hear your testimony as as a as a kid, as a five year old leaving Vietnam as a refugee. But in this episode, we're going to talk a little more about how you came to faith and uh, and then how you came into the world of medical missions, because that's actually where where my story uh, connects with your story. And also Brad as well. Both of us have sent our kids to the other side of the world with you, which right. uh, which I will say, I don't do that lightly. I don't just send my kids <laughs> off with uh, with any guy named Iggy who comes along and. <laughs> wants to take them to the other side of the world. And uh, although I will say this, but the first reports I got of you, Iggy, from my son were of this nutty guy who is who says he's a doctor, but has a crazy sense of humor. And uh, and man, actually, he had a blast on his trips to, to the other side of the world. So tell us real quick before we get started, what is tongue out so that uh, so we know where where we're going with this? And why is why is a, a mission trip called tongue out? Yeah. So, 
So a friend of mine who who wanted to to raise funds for us one day came up to me and says, you know, it's really hard to try to raise money for you because because people are saying, what is this organization called Tongue Out that you want me to donate to? And it's run by a guy named Iggy. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but we are a uh, we're a, we're a 501c3 which is a uh, a nonprofit uh, organization that was created uh, back in this probably about 6 years now 2014ish I've always had a love for for missions work uh, simply because you know being in the field of medicine it's it's more than just treating patients in the office who are you know who are able to pay who can drive in to see me who uh, who are sick, but compared to others around the world who don't have the same access to medical care, right? We we are lucky in many parts. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to take medicine to the least of these in the world. And and if you remember, the, the least of these that Jesus talks about are those who are, uh, who are forgotten by society, uh, those who are hidden in in the darkness of uh, of society, when we go to Vietnam with tongue out, and I take doctors, I take nurses, I take lots of students, as you know, including your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now partnered with UC Irvine, and so I'm taking UCI students uh, as well, and and other colleges are coming on board. Um, but our so we go to areas that are forgotten. And and so in Vietnam, we do surgery for those who are blind. We do eye surgeries to give them their vision back. Oh wow! We go to leprosy centers, leprosy colonies, and uh, and we love on them, and we make sure that every patient uh, gets a hug. They're no longer contagious. They have already taken their medications. But they're in these colonies because the damage has already been done. They've lost their mm-hmm. fingers. They've lost their toes. And, and because in Vietnam, the, the government doesn't necessarily want patients with deformities out in society, they still put them in these colonies, even though you're no longer contagious, and they stay there till, till they die. So, so we go to these colonies, and, um, and we make sure that every patient gets a hug uh, a smile and and that they all know that they're loved, uh, that mm-hmm. there's a God who loved them. So we do leprosy work. We do uh, work for the blind. We do orphanage work. Just to show uh, with- my level of trust in you, Iggy, I'd only met you one time at the airport, <laughs> sending my son across the ocean. And then a few days later, I get a text from my son with pictures uh, of him putting his arm around. He said, I met the leper colony. Now I get no, I, I didn't have any like preparation for exactly how this works. And, uh, and then my next, <laughs> next test was, uh, I just was offered a Vietnamese beer from, uh, from a leper and his wife. And, and I was, what is, what is happening on the other side of the world? But I trust you. Yeah. My son. Right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So, so we, we do orphanage work, we do um, medical clinics, we go up to the mountains and we build schools for, for kids who have no access to education up in the mountains. We dig wells. Wow. Um, and so we look for the least of these. 
And, and the least of these are the poor, the blind, the lepers, the orphans. We seek them out to to bring them God's love. What uh, nations are, are you in? We are in uh, Vietnam. We are in Haiti. We are in Peru. Uh, yearly, uh, these countries. We're in Oaxaca, Mexico. So we're out of the country, you know, a few times a year, five times a year or so. Every other every other month, we got a team going somewhere. Is uh, but but now with uh, COVID, we are serving at home, yeah. obviously in our in our own community. Uh, now we're that. gonna get to we're gonna get to that in just a in a couple of minutes here, because because uh, one of the COVID has affected everything, and one of the things that affects is the ability for Christians to get out and do mission work. And so a lot of missions, including medical missions, have had to figure out how do we help those in need while still, uh, uh, you know, complying with our, our government regulations and doing what's best for the, the global community medically. So we'll talk about all that stuff in just a minute. I just want to give everybody a little preview of, uh, of what's coming. And, uh, and I'll say this mission work always comes with, uh, with some of the best stories. And uh, <laughs> including my son texting me that he's just been offered a beer from a leper. And uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but he had a, he really had a, a fantastic trip there. And uh, and my son, who's actually home now from uh, uh, from his missions college where he's preparing to, to prepare for the rest of his life uh, dedicated to missions. So uh, so apparently he wasn't scared away. Um, but, uh, but we'll get to all that in just a minute, but first, Brad, we need you to introduce what the soul podcast is all about and lay down some ground rules for us. Yeah, man, we were, we were diving into stories already. It was so good. I was, I had, I had to hold us back here, bring us back. But here we go. The, the rules of engagement, there are four of them basically respect the story. We're going to talk about some serious issues. Um, but the story has got to come first humility before wisdom. Uh, good questions basically come before good answers. And so, you know, with this, we're here, we're, we want to understand, we want to grow through this talk, um, through, through Iggy stories, uh, you know, the mission field through, through more discussion on COVID, uh, the whole game, his face story, which is going to blow your mind too. There's, there's some really cool, interesting parts there. So Chris, make sure we get to all that. Uh, grace always, uh, every issue for every life, there is grace. We, we intend to find it. Um, and God has the final word. God has the last word. I mean, we want to seek the Lord through all of this. We want to glorify the Lord through through all of, of Iggy's stories, through through our discussion on, on COVID. We want to glorify the Lord. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason we do that every episode where we, we review our ground rules, because we do bring up some tough issues. When it comes to COVID-19 and coronavirus, there are some uh, some touchy issues that even Christians don't all agree on, especially when we start to bring a little bit of politics and uh uh, so, uh, so those ground rules are important that we are always called to, uh, to speak with grace and we are always, uh, we should always be walking in the fear of God and let him have the last word. And I'll say this, we haven't really talked politically much. We might dive into, I think we're going to get into a little bit of that where our politics comes in as, uh, as we talk about big decisions that our politics need to, to make regarding medical issues. And, uh, and Brad and I are not necessarily on the same page just because we're both believers and we're both on the soul podcast. We've had some conversations about this stuff and we don't quite land in the same place. And that's okay. We're both still Christians. Mm -hmm. We both still have a brain in our head and we don't necessarily agree politically or, uh, or about what's the, the right way for us to respond to all this, but we'll get it. We can have a discussion about it. So we lay those ground rules as an example uh, for all of you who have these same conversations at home. 
as a as a right way to go about this stuff. But so let's get into it. We're going to talk about those things and get to medical missions in a minute. But back us up again and give us your salvation story. How did uh, how did five year old refugee uh, getting onto an aircraft carrier uh, onto the USS Midway, Vietnam, then become uh, you 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 got us to the point where you're a a, a Vietnamese American. You ended up in the states, but you still got a Buddhist family. How, bring us from there to the place where uh, where does God come in the picture again for you? That now you are a medical missionary going back to Vietnam and to many other places. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so grew up Buddhist, family tree uh, of Buddhism, and saved by the church. And when I say saved, what I meant was the church was our sponsor that allowed us Vietnam refugees, war refugees, to come into the U.S. And and because uh, the church sponsored us, uh, we were flown from the island of Guam uh, to El Toro uh, Air Base. We lived in Camp Pendleton for a few months inside the, the tents from there. We, we left Camp Pendleton and moved uh, into a, uh, a condemned building in Long Beach. It was the YWCA, hmm. and it was shuttered up. Um, there was just our family and a Filipino family who lived in there. I don't know if we were even legal in there, but I just remember <laughs> living in there. Uh, two families in this big building. Um, Mom stayed home, took care of the four of us kids, and dad went and got his first job uh, pumping gas at a gas station back oh, in no 1975. And because I was five years old, I started kindergarten and uh, in Long Beach, and that was uh, my start. I knew no English, uh, just kind of learned English from Saturday morning cartoons, <laughs> Bugs Bunny... <laughs> Right, uh, all those Super shows. Friends, Hong Kong Fui, Hong Kong Fui, <laughs> Speed Racer, all these old uh, memories start popping up. I like it. That's but, kind of uh, why I learned English too, even though I was born yeah. in <laughs> American family. That's right, and and so I so eventually we we had moved to Orange County, and uh, and uh, did elementary school, uh, middle school, and high school in Orange County, in, uh, in Santa Ana. When I was at high school, um, Santa Ana Valley, I was around 13-ish. Uh, a friend of mine had a book. It, uh, it caught my attention. He was holding it around, and the book caught my attention because of the title. It was called World War III and the Destiny of America. Hmm. And so here's this 13-year-old kid who's like into wars and guns and tanks. And I'm like, ooh, this is a cool war book. What does it say? So I borrowed the book, World War III and the Destiny of America. I forgot who the author was. I borrowed the book, read it, and, and lo and behold, it was a book on Bible prophecy. Hmm. Somebody, the author, tried to correlate the book of Revelations and the end of the world, and, and he wrote a book on that. And that was kind of my introduction to the Bible. And, uh, and so from there, it led me to reading uh, the first book uh, I've ever read in the Bible, which is the book of Revelations. 
That's a great I, I start from start. the end. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Start with an easy book, right? Start with an easy one. Yeah, yeah, real easy, right? <laughs> I started at the end, the book of Revelations, and uh, and I and I went through that because of this Bible prophecy book, because I wanted to see, I wanted to hear more and study more on, on what. Source. Yeah, go to the source. What what is you know what does God say about this? And mm-hmm. I was really intrigued that uh, you know God, there was a, somebody who predicted the end of the world, and and that prediction's in the Bible. So, you know, I went through Revelation, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and I was like, wow, kind of blown away, <laughs> right? My introduction to God was was through that. Um, but but eventually, I wanted to learn more about uh, about Jesus. And so what That's I good. did... Glad when... you made that next step. If you, if you spent <laughs> the rest of your life just in Revelation of the Bible, yeah. I'd be a little concerned. Yeah, that's... And you know, right. actually, it's it's interesting because that is the place where through the word where we get the most uh, of our listeners, people start with us in the book of Revelation. I think God uses that. God uses that curiosity wow. that, that yes. people have. And last month, and speaking of God using it and God using the uh, coronavirus, there's a lot of questions like, OK, where's God in the midst of this? Uh, last month, right in the middle of March, actually, so a month and a half ago, our listenership on through the word spoke spiked up. I mean, skyrocketed wow. up primarily because people were searching for explanation to revelation. And that's what we have wow. over on the Bible app. So, uh, so we got like, you know, 10, 20,000 listeners all of a sudden checking out the book of revelation. Cause there's people asking right now, like, is this the end of the world? And people want to know we provide, but I hope they don't stay there. I hope they don't stay in revelation because it is fascinating, <laughs> but it's not the whole of your faith. It's important. It's essential. Right. But you got to get to 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 Jesus' full story and connect with him there. So so how did how did that happen oh, for yeah. you? Oh yeah, definitely. And so so I wanted to learn more about Jesus. And so what I did was um, my sister had a a King James version of the Bible that somebody had given to her uh, to try to invite her to Sunday school. And so although sister never made it to Sunday school, she had the King James. And what I did on, on the front porch of our home in Santa Ana uh, back then, one evening, sat in the front porch, and and I don't know why, I just randomly uh, had picked the book of John. And that night, in one sitting, I went through the entire book of John from nice. beginning to end. Took me took me at least a few hours. At the end of that book, I was a believer. There, there, there was no, there was no uh, sinner's prayer. There was no, altar you know, four spiritual. There was no altar call. There was no four spiritual laws. There was no booklet. I was just a believer simply from reading the book of John. No kidding. And and so yeah, it it wasn't the your typical you know conversion experience. I, I just read that book and and I was just convicted that that. God created me. I was convicted that I was a sinner, that he sent Jesus to die for my sin, and that he loved me. And and I simply became a believer from simply in that night. And it was an interesting experience uh, mm. because that night when I became a believer, I felt this heavy load, uh, emotional load, just kind of lifted out of my body. And I felt like, a sponge just soaked with God's love. 
it was picture. it was one of those experiences it was probably the holy spirit just filling me up or it was just a, yeah i was wow. a sponge soaked with his love and and it was an uh, amazing experience um i remember that night clearly now and, that's that's you just with the word and with the lord and so yes. you don't have a person with you to then walk you through the next steps. Mm-hmm. You don't have somebody to to take you to church, but you have your family. Are there any other believers in your your family where you're living? No, okay. no. So I how was did the they first respond? believer. I was the first believer, um, and so so I <laughs> I told mom. I said I told mom that I, I am now a believer. Uh, I did. It wasn't a positive response. <laughs> Okay, and and I don't, I don't blame her because and Buddhist family, you know, right? They're they're you're Buddhist Vietnamese family. American at this point, but still a Buddhist family. Yes, yes. I you know I not only was it a spiritual break from the family tree, it was a cultural break mm. from a family. So it was a deep break from the family tree when I turned my my faith to to Jesus, and so the first few years as a believer was was not easy, uh, simply because mom. Uh, thought I had somehow joined a cult, uh, right? Somehow uh, joined a bunch of, of, of bad people who have now brainwashed me um, when, you know, it wasn't. Um, so the first few years as a believer, I, I never went to church, wasn't allowed to go to church I, or, or to be involved with, with anything uh, spiritually in, in fellowship or groups. So the only way I grew the first few years was at night when when the family went to bed i went to the bathroom got my sister's king james version sat in the toilet and read everything in red lettering which were the words of jesus that's awesome and uh and i just grew in my own uh spiritually Uh, i i had no denomination obviously Uh, i just had the bible i just had the bible that's all i did that's all I did. I, um, I, I, I did get a chance though to to listen to the radio, mm. um, although I wasn't allowed to go to church. There was there was two radio stations that when I could I try to get. It was Word for Today with Pastor Chuck, Chuck Smith, and and Focus on the Family with Dr. Dobson. Mm. Uh, so so they were kind of like my spiritual fathers. Um, so, so I, I, I stayed home for years, never went to church, read the scriptures on my own and just try to catch the radio to learn when I could, wow. uh, during those times. So, th- so when the first time I was really able to go to church was when I got into UC Irvine, uh, for okay, college. So now you're, you're grown up and you're going to college, you go to UC Irvine yeah. and now you're and- a little bit of independence. Got a little bit of penance because to get to UC Irvine, you need a car. Yeah. <laughs> and now I had a car. And and because I had a car, I, I was able to to head out to Pastor Chuck on Sundays and kind of, uh, yeah, Calvary kind Chapel of Costa Mesa. Calvary Chapel. <laughs> All yeah, right. totally. Iggy, you had told us a, a quote that you, from your mom that she said to you um, a few different times, I guess, and, and how you responded to that quote. You said basically, she said about, um, you can either call her mom or you could follow Jesus. And how did you, how did you respond to that quote when she would say that to you? Yeah. Yeah. Initially she was really upset because again, she felt I was part of a cult. Yeah. And so, so she did whatever she could to try to change my mind 
from from being a believer. And so so she had, you know, those those threatening words initially to try to change my mind. But what had happened is that every time I, I went through these types of persecutions, what I did was I, I went to my room and prayed. So so persecution uh, led me closer to God every time because because that's all I had. All I had was prayer. And so I, I grew spiritually through that experience. Uh, the cool thing is that mom is now 100% behind what we do. Uh, mom does not mind at all that uh, we're believers. And as a matter of fact, uh, of the four of us siblings, uh, three of us are at Calvary Chapels now. Mm, nice. uh, oh, and wow. uh, the refuge, by the way, we're at refuge. My other sisters and brother are at refuge. Yeah, which and, is our um, which is our mama church. Those of you who are, aren't here local, uh, most right. of you know I'm uh, one of the I'm a teaching pastor at Refuge Long Beach. There is another refuge at Refuge at Huntington Beach, and uh, which is our our mama church. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So so you you'll probably see my brother and sisters walking around refuge, mm -hmm. and uh, and so three out of four of us, and then Dad is now uh, at church as well. He's at a, a Vietnamese style Calvary Chapel. Uh, with that so yeah yeah, yeah. and mom c completely supports what we do she supports the missions work that we do as well yeah let's talk mm -hmm. about that let's let's move forward so that that's your your faith story which is a phenomenal one but but your faith got god put your faith into action so uh so you you became a believer reading the bible but at the same time you're you're going to uci and now studying and, and eventually studying medicine and uh, so fast forward some years now, you uh, you became a professor of medicine also at uh, at UCI. Um, but somewhere in the midst of that, uh, medicine connected with faith and became medical missions. So uh, so tell us about how uh, wh what's your heart? What's what's the heart of, of tongue out and uh, and the mission work that you do? And tell us some stories there. Yeah. So so tongue out is all about giving back because of how blessed we were. Uh, when I when I started Tongue Out, it was simply because, uh, and I didn't tell you that that my dad grew up in an orphanage. Hmm. My dad grew up in an orphanage along with his brothers, and uh, and so through that orphanage, he uh, he was raised by, uh, and then uh, and eventually he grew out of the orphanage, found you know got it and became independent, but. Uh, but because we were so blessed by God to be rescued, um, to be given freedom, to be given the opportunity to study, to be Americans, we were so blessed uh, with these opportunities that uh, that we created Tongue Out as a um, as a vehicle to be God's hand and God's feet, to to go back to orphanages around the world and and to love on the kids uh, in these orphanages in the same way that you know my dad grew up in an orphanage uh, mm -hmm. uh, you never know who you touch which kid which child in in any of these orphanages that we go to around the world whether it's in haiti or mexico or uh, peru or vietnam you never know who you touch and who god wants you to touch because they can be the next, uh, you know, person for God. Yeah. To and reach and their so heart, to, to let them know God. they are loved. They are and, loved. Uh, and that, that, that touch of, that is, uh, that is, that is God's love. 
And, uh, and, you know, even as, as you say that, um, it, it's, it's hard because as you say, uh, we, and we can talk about touch and a child, uh, you know, red flags raised for, uh, for a lot of folks. <laughs> and, and the reality is that an orphanage has to think about those things, um, because there, there is a lot, of, a, a significant amount of danger there. Um, but, but a, a child needs what is, is that safe touch of God, that it is love, that is safe, that is, is protection, that is not abuse. And, right. uh, and we've got to, to go there to bring that to them. Many of them have been abused and have, have faced that. Um, they need to know there is a God who loves them, that there are people who care and, uh, and who are safe. So, uh, so bring us there, Mo. Tell me a, a story from the, the mission field that, uh, that has moved your heart. What, what, are, what are some places and some people that, that God keeps bringing your heart back to? I'll tell you an interesting story. In Vietnam, and we're there you know, once or twice a year, when we go to Vietnam, we we don't go as an organization who's uh, who's going to preach the gospel and and convert Christians because you get jailed for that. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to you know socialism in Vietnam. We we go as an organization who simply want to give back uh, to love and to do humanitarian work in Vietnam because the government has their eyes on us. So what we do though is we partner with the local church in Vietnam. And and when we are in Vietnam, to do the activities that we do, we need the government's permission mm. uh, for all of our activity, from visiting orphanages to eye surgeries to, to building schools. We need the government's permission. So we get their permission. We have local partners in Vietnam who does all that. But when we go to like, let's say a medical clinic, uh, a tongue out medical clinic in Vietnam, uh, in our medical clinic, we have government people there uh, because they have to be there to watch us. And then we have church people there from the local church. And what happens is we're doing our work, we're seeing patients, and, and we recruit the government folks to actually be part of the medical team. They're, they're walking patients from station to station, right? The, the intake station to the doctor station to the pharmacy. So government people are helping out. And then the church people are helping out. And we're seeing patients. And what happens is when the tongue out medical clinic is done and the last patient is seen, the government guys look at the church guys because they've been working with each other for a few hours now. Hmm. And they're like, and they're like, you know what? You guys aren't that bad. <laughs> and then the and then the church guys look at the government guys because they've been working together next to each other for a few hours. And they're like, you know what? You guys aren't that bad. When tongue out leaves, the government and the church shakes hands. That's that's a major movement of God in itself, right there, in a very practical way. That's incredible. We open doors. We open doors. And here's the other thing we do, because it's illegal to go to the public square to to preach the gospel. Right. You can go to jail for that. Uh, oftentimes, what we do is in our medical clinic, we set up stations. We have the intake station where the patient is first seen. And, and I've had um, Alyssa sitting up front taking vital signs. I've had Caleb doing certain things, right, uh, at the medical clinics. So the patient goes to station one, they get their names down, their their blood pressure, their vital signs with translators. And then they go from there to see the doctor and nurses where they get their diagnosis. 
And then they go from there to the pharmacy station, which is basically a table where we put our meds on. And then we pass out and distribute medications that the patients need. So in Tongue Out Medical Clinic, we have station number four. Station number four is an optional prayer station hmm. where, where, where we offer patients, you know, would you like some prayer? And, and for patients who are interested in prayer, they go to station number four, where the local pastor from the local church is there to pray for them. And it's interesting because the government wow. is okay with that because it's part of our clinic. The government is okay with that. And, and so these are ways that we incorporate our, our faith into tough situations where you don't necessarily are allowed to do things of that sort. Um, but, uh, but we've seen a lot of positively, positive stuff out of it because in these locations where we do medical clinics, the government now invites the church to come back to do more events. Oh, wow. For, oh, yeah, for the community. And, and so they get there. It's easier to get permission now from the government to, to do church stuff. Uh, to help out the community because they've already met each other and trusted each other through our clinics. Yeah. And for me, that, that that's huge. It makes a, a tremendous statement on the philosophy of mission for those who, uh, who have been involved in, in mission work. I've been involved in, you know, I was a youth pastor. So I, as a youth pastor, we kind of brought our kids along for different kinds of mission work. And there, there are two strains of philosophy in terms of working with the government when necessary, working with local officials. But the, the two philosophies of working with local officials, one is the, the philosophy I describe as it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. And, uh, and there are some guys who lead missions who, who think, you know, we're not going to get the, you know, go through the hoops that the government wants us to. We'll just go for it and we'll get forgiven later. But you burn a lot of bridges that way. And, uh, and I've always, and, and sometimes if that's the way that it needs to be and that's the way the Lord leads, I get it, but it, it kind of uh, rubs me the wrong way a little bit. But there's another philosophy, which is, which is the, the more Romans 13 philosophy of obey the, the you know, the, the local government, obey the, those over you, is really a building bridges together for the church to work within the, the system. And, uh, and, and, and it kind of it's a, it's a viewing authorities in a different way. It's understanding what the Bible says, that God has put authorities in their place of authority. And so work with them and in establishing that relationship and uh, and letting them know that they can trust you and recognize that that the government sometimes has a preconceived view of the church. And uh, and sometimes for good reason that they see the church because they've been burned before by different churches. You don't know what they've seen before. But if you can establish that relationship and recognize that there are many common causes that you have that uh, that um, that you want to help the people, that many governments really genuinely do care for the people. Yes, there are those that are fleecing the people that are working against the people. But there is a there's a if you can establish that common cause and work together that you can actually get a lot more done. And in the midst of that, actually reach the, those who are in authority. And that's uh, one thing I appreciate about Tongue Out is the very practical side of those missions. Somebody on the, the, the comments here asked a question, and we're going to get to those questions that have come up on COVID-19. We're going to get back to those in just a minute. But somebody asked, uh, where does the name Tongue Out come from? And at first I thought it was like tongue out medical missions as in like maybe it's it's like dental or maybe it's like open up and say, ah, but uh, but I actually appreciate it's much more down to earth than that. It's that most folks around the world get the whole Michael Jordan thing where you stick your tongue out and do something awesome. Uh, yeah. Come on, it 
Yeah, yeah, tongue out. So, so um, there's a little description on our website. It's uh, tongueout.org for those who want to check it out. But what it is is um, we go to different countries, and and so every year we're we're in Haiti where they speak Creole, which is an off French. We're in Peru where they speak Spanish. We're in Vietnam where they speak Vietnamese. We're in you know we're in Mexico, and so we don't always speak the language. Uh, we have translators in every country that would partner up with us, but we always go to orphanages. We love kids. We love orphans. We do arts and crafts with them. We paint their nails. They paint my toenails. Have you ever seen my toenails? And oh, so I've seen them. Oh, you've seen them. It's not pretty, right? It's not pretty. That's another episode, okay? But anyway, so. But uh, so they um, so when we hang out with the kids and 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 the orphans, uh, lots of arts and crafts, uh, but no verbal communication because we don't speak the same language. A lot of our communication is just nonverbal. And part of that is uh, in playing with them in this nonverbal communication is sticking our tongues out at them. And so we're like. <laughs> And and so the kids would crack up. There you go. Right? The kids would crack up, and then they'll stick their tongues out at us. And and there you go. I called it tongue out. <laughs> Can you talk? It's You're kind of a universal about- language for a lot. Of, I mean, there are, you got to be careful where you're talking universal. There are some places where culturally, I'm sure it's an insult of some kind. But if we're talking to kids, which is my favorite part of mission, is just hanging out with kids. And if you can't speak their language, you can be a goofball, and they understand goofball. They will stick yes. the tongue out with you and they will make faces. You can make a connection. They they can receive, they will know they are loved through that goofball communication that is just being silly with them. And and a whole lot of the world yeah. recognizes Michael Jordan sticking his tongue out and doing something awesome. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I get that. And, and, and we're not very threatening. When when you got an organization called Tongue Out coming to visit you, nobody's threatened by it. It's like, okay, who are these goofballs called tongue out? Whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. So Iggy, you've shared with us your love of kids and, and we're talking about it with the, the name tongue out, yeah. but can you talk to us a little bit about Toya's? Because, you know, both of our, our kid, Chris and I, his son, my daughter, explain Toya's to us. Cause this is another example, I think of your love for, for kids, which both these kids are now becoming adults. Um, yeah. But, Not just the right. mission to the kids over there, but the mission with the kids from here. Right. So, so Toya is an acronym, right? T-O-Y-A. T-O-Y-A, Toya. And it stands for Tongue Out Youth Ambassadors. And and I, I give them these official names because, because our high schoolers and our college students, our students are kids who come with us. And, and my own kids have been with us around the world as well. Our kids who come with us, they come back different. When, when they go and they visit lepers, when they visit the blind, when they visit, you know, uh, orphans and kids without shoes up in the mountains and highlands of Vietnam or Peru, they come back different. And I see the change. Mm-hmm. I see the change. And, and, and so although the primary written, documented mission of Tongue Out is to serve the least of these around the world, and we do that. We serve the least of these around the world. The often unspoken mission of Tongue Out is really to develop our own kids and their love for God. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that the way that we witness to our kids isn't necessarily in words. I, I believe we take them 
and and they serve alongside with us. Mm-hmm. They serve alongside with us, and and so I I like the there's a, a prayer or a statement from is it Saint Francis of Assisi where he says, um, you preach know, the gospel I, always. Yeah, necessary. preach the gospel always, and then words. and. And when necessary, news words, mm-hmm. right? And when necessary, news. I love that. I love that. We want to show them God's love. We don't just want to tell them about God's love. Mm-hmm. And and so, Tangout's mission is to develop the next generation of leaders, servant leaders, leaders who serve, leaders after Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Not not the leaders that the world see, not the leader that that chases after power, money, and fame. The leader that Jesus wants to develop are those who serve. And so our Toyas, and there's over two dozen Toyas now, uh, there's there's two high schools now that are tongue out high school clubs. Uh, one is University High, uh, and the other one is um, Irvine High School. They have tongue out clubs that just launched this past year, and oh, and awesome. those kids are those kids are serving along us now. Um, yeah, we uh, we want to show them God's love. Uh, we want to actually show them God's love, not just tell them God's love, and and they get yeah. to see that when they're around the world with us. And That's theologically awesome. speaking, when you when you quote St. Francis of Assisi, I have a theological argument goes through my head because I, I know there's guys who will argue, well, words are necessary. Absolutely. Words are necessary to the gospel. My primary part of the mission, because it's my gift, is words. However, words alone are not complete. That's what James tells us, that, that it doesn't just take words. You've got to have action to go along with the words to prove your faith. And the, the mission of telling out so fascinating to me because you guys bring kids along with you. Kids are in a state uh, often of developing their faith of an incomplete or maybe not quite fully mature faith. You also bring doctors and nurses who are not believers, who are part of the mission. And it's such a great picture to me of uh, a very often how, how Jesus did mission and, uh, and how mission has often worked as as there are a lot of people who are not believers who are very much uh, interested in reaching the world helping the world, being a part of that, whether they call it being God's hands and feet or not, they're not so concerned with that part of it, but something happens when they are part of the mission together. Jesus invited uh, some of his disciples saying, follow me long before they were believers in him. They got to just see him healing and see and be part of the work and see how he did things and work alongside believers. And that mission together, that missional community was, uh, was something effective without everybody having an evangelistic specifically purpose in their mission. And it's amazing what just happens along the way as you go out to serve. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I see, uh, I see my timekeeper over here ready with the cards (laughs) because we uh, we've hit about that time. As much as I want to talk about that some more, we got two elements left in our podcast. One, we're going to talk more about COVID-19 and uh, and we're going to bring up some, uh, some spicy uh, political debate here as we talk medicine and uh, COVID-19. But before we get to that, in order to bring us into that, we're going to hit Theology Throwdown. It is that part of the show. Brad, tell us what we're doing for Theology Throwdown. Chris, weren't, weren't we more dramatic with this? We thought before we started doing the podcast, we're like, Theology Throwdown. Throwdown. <laughs> Let's get ready to Bible. 
we go. There we go. That was hey, supposed some... to be your line, but you don't say it very often. Radio voice is I like it. Uh, so here's the deal. So theology throwdown. We're gonna put some some verses out there. We're gonna keep them basically brief in our explanation, Chris. You did a great job. I just want to commend you on that, Chris. <laughs> but anyways, keep it brief. All right, get to it. If if not, you might get yellowed. Means speed it up. Red means shut it down. Let's move on. So. <laughs> the question Thanks, Raph. For this episode, is where do pandemic and faith meet? Mm. Pandemic and faith, where do they meet? Mm. Chris, you got a verse for me there? All right, I'm going to start us out in uh, in Exodus 15, Exodus 15:26. Uh, God speaking, He said, "If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees." I will not bring on you any of these diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, this is the Lord introducing himself as a healer. Healing is core to not only God's calling for us as believers, but to who he is. His character foundationally, God is a healer. We see that through Jesus, but we also see that in the lives of folks like, uh, like Dr. Trin here, who want to go out and heal us. We're remade in his image. We desire to heal others. And we also see the healing coming hand in hand in the Old Testament with obeying God's commands. If you obey my commands, you will not find these diseases coming upon you. And, uh, and that we find in God's commands, we find a lot of directions that are very practical, not just spiritual, but practical as well. And when it comes to, all right, I'm, I'm, I'll, I got yellow card. I'll bring more of that in my next verse. First, I want to see what what, uh, what Iggy has to say. <laughs> On this, where pandemic meets faith. Where pandemic meets faith. P pandemic these days, with being shut down, shut in, has created a lot of mental health issues. Mm. Uh, I've read recently of physicians committing suicide. I've read of... Uh, of child abuse going up and the stress that comes along with over 30 million Americans who have applied for unemployment. Yeah. Horrible. So I have two verses. Verse number one is First uh, Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Mm. Yes. Verse number two, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, and I, I find those words comforting because uh, despite our circumstances, uh, I always try to keep the entire framework uh, in place. And that framework is that God is still on the throne. Yeah. Amen. And, and that he's already seen this pandemic years before we have. He's already known about it before we were born. Nothing has escaped his eyes, including our specific circumstances, wherever we're at. He's seen it and that he loves us, you know, as, as a, someone, as a, as a follower, right? We are his children and, and he has a specific purpose for us through this pandemic. We may not see it now. We may never see it until we meet him. But we know that all things work together for good, including pandemics. 
Mm. Yeah, you know, that's I'm going to go into your verse a little bit. Just that whole idea of, you know, my prayer has been through this whole thing is we could get into politics, we could get into all the different aspects of it, but it's like, God, use this for revival. You know, we need revival within our country, within our world. Um, And, you know, not that I, I want this pandemic, but if there can be good that comes out of it, you know, people are turning to the Lord, which Chris has mentioned about, you know, the word it's, it's, it's gotten up there. I mean, a lot of people turning to it and so forth, but I, I don't want to keep going. Chris, you got one more verse for us, right? All right. I do. And I got more to say, but we'll kind of close out with that after that. <laughs> I got, they, uh, the verse there that, uh, that Iggy that you mentioned, by the way, is Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things for good. Uh, yes. And remember that that does not say that God, that everything is good, but God does work it for good. And so we've got to look to what is God using this for? What is God working it for? But also uh, we need to balance that and think medically about these things and carefully uh, hygienically about these things. And for that, Leviticus 10.10, which says, so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And so you can teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. Now, that one statement in Leviticus actually summarizes a great many of the laws there in Leviticus about those things that are clean and those that are unclean. Clean and unclean was foundational to the uh, God's giving of understanding for the Israelites of how they should interact with their world. They need to distinguish what things are clean and what are unclean. And a lot of those were very practical. What foods you could eat that were safe to eat because they were clean. What foods you couldn't eat because they were unclean. And also there were instructions for washing of hands. And uh, and while Jesus had had some run-ins with uh, with those who had, over, uh, had gone overboard with the rules of washing hands, there was still this foundational instruction for the Israelites to be clean. It's actually quite phenomenal, the rules that God gave to the Israelites, considering our our modern understanding of hygiene and how important it is to health is really just within the last century or two. This is this is new stuff that the, the way that doctors keep clean now is very new to medicine. It's, it's just uh, several decades old, maybe a century old. And uh, but what the what God gave to Israel is 3000 years old. And if you simply applied the level of hygiene that God gave them 3000 years ago, we could prevent so much disease in the world. It's incredible to think about that, that hygiene is actually one of to still today. One of the if you go on mission to uh, to places where they need medicine, if you simply bring hygiene, just clean water and instructions for how to keep yourself clean, how to wash and when to wash. Most of that coming from all the way 3000 years ago, Leviticus, you could save lives. You could save thousands of lives. We would save millions around the world if we just presented that. And there's my red card. And my dog is stopping me. (laughs) All right, that's it. Chris, what do you think? We've had some questions come in from some people. We're running short on time. Yeah. Should we try to get Iggy to answer questions like kind of like just fire him at him and see if he can answer? Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's get back Go to this it. clean and unclean stuff. Let's bring it back to because uh, because that even brings us to, to the questions of COVID-19, which is more important, the hygiene part of it or the, the medical part of it, which is more important, the politics side of it and the decisions they're making or the. Uh, the, the doctor side of it. So let's go to that. Let's get back to COVID-19. We got our, our pro here where we can ask some questions. So I got some of the comments up. Uh, Brad, you ready with one of those? You want me to find one? Is What do you know about a vaccine? Is there one in the works? Is it going to be soon? Is it something two years out? That was that was one of our questions that came through. Sure. 
Sure, there are many vaccines in the work. Uh, to get a vaccine to approval is a process. Mm-hmm. You go through phase one, phase two, phase three, and and that process is not a, a quick and fast process. As a matter of fact, to get a medication from some scientist's brain to FDA approval normally takes 10 to 12 years. Wow. One medication, right? We don't have that much time. We don't have that time. So so the FDA has, has fast-tracked a lot of these vaccination um, clinical trials. So we're looking at probably a year and a half out uh, for a vaccine because of the, the appropriate precautions that need to be taken uh, to do these clinical trials and to make sure that there's no placebo effect or bias or things of that sort. So we're looking uh, probably less than two years, but longer than one year before we get a vaccine. Mm. All right. That was a good, that was a good quick answer. I like that. Yeah. Here, here's another one. And and I'm going to add to this because you and I talked a little bit about this already. Uh, their question was, is shutting down basically the best thing to do with all the mental health and stuff going on that you had mentioned? Um, and I kind of had asked you in between our, our episodes, um, you know, it, it seems like we flattened the curve and, and the, the, the government at least always told us it was about flattening it out. It wasn't about that. They were going to keep me from getting it. Um, and so forth. So as a healthy, somewhat healthy, I mean, I'm getting older, <laughs> no hair, but whatever, as a healthy person, that, that's biblical, who, my friend, that is no hair whose, whose hair has fallen from his head. He is bald. Yet he is clean. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love I, it. I'm in the sun. I, I, you know, I go running, I surf, you know, I do, I, I exercise, I eat. Eh. My wife tries to make sure I eat good. I don't always eat so good, but is it time to go back out? So, so think about how the, how the virus spreads, right? The virus spreads from person to person, which is why uh, there's this whole shutdown thing so that we are not interacting person to person to, to allow this spread. Um, but at some point, we can't be at home forever because obviously you got to pay the bills. If you don't have a job, that's a worse problem than catching. <laughs> if you can't pay your bills and feed your family, you know, I, there are folks who are angry at protesters who are protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at them sometimes with a different eye because, because that person who's protesting may be the person who doesn't have any money left in the bank to pay for rent. That person who's protesting may be on their last dollar to feed their kids, right? That person who's out there is is desperate to go back to work. I, I've read somewhere that, the, that a significant number of Americans had like $400 in their bank account. Uh, it was, yeah. uh, I think I read that about, I don't know, a month or two months ago. I don't know where those st- statistics come majority from. Majority of Americans do not have an emergency fund to last as long as, uh, as we've been locked up. Exactly. And so if you're in that situation and you're living paycheck to paycheck from month to month and, and COVID has lasted longer than a month, mm-hmm. you know, I can totally understand why folks are out protesting because because, you know, forget about the virus. If you can't feed your kids, mm-hmm. right? Think about that. But at the same time, we need to make sure that if we go out and this virus spreads, and, and I am not concerned with folks who are healthy, who are young, 
right, who who are not immune compromised, I'm concerned about who they end up hugging. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? They go home, they hug grandma and grandpa or their parents who may be immune compromised. That's the concern, right? And and if grandma and grandpa get sick, oh my, right? They, they end up in the hospital and, and those are the folks who are dying. So it's not about being healthy. It's really about who are you, if you are healthy, who are you in contact with, mm. right? It's, it's something to keep in mind. So, there, so we got to keep this really balanced. We got to get folks back to work who are on their last paycheck, mm-hmm. their last dollar in their bank account. And yet we, we need to do what we can to protect the most vulnerable among us, our seniors, those who are immune compromised, right? So it's got to be a stage plan somehow. How do you protect everyone as we go back to work, right? Uh, a common sense thing would be to wear a mask, right? If you're at Costco, I, I think Costco this week made it mandatory to wear a mask to shop in Costco, I hear. And and there are other places that are doing that. And uh, and so, Am you know, I- let me ask you this if i go out with a mask and, and i watched actually i watched your your uh, health talks on your your own facebook um yeah. and you talked about even different levels of masks and and not to get all into every single one but when you can blow out a flame in front of you does that mean that i'm I, i'm compromised <laughs> versus the one that no air escape i mean am i compromised by going to costco if it's a cloth mask without a filter there there are different levels of masks there are masks that are medical grade those are the N95 masks. Those are the surgical masks. N95 means 95% of all par- particulates and stuff gets filtered out. That's what N95 means, mm-hmm. right? The surgical mask is the, the next level of protection right underneath N95. And then below that is the masks that are homemade, where everyone's at home making their own masks. And, you know, it can be a cloth mask. It's, a cloth mask is better than no mask. I mean, if you sneeze, right? If you sneeze into a cloth mask, you know, you'll catch a lot of the sneeze in there. It's still better than no mask, yeah. right? It's it's obviously not as good as a surgical mask or an N95 mask, but it's, you know, to go out to Costco and to have at least something uh, is better than nothing. Is the mask more for me or is it for the people I'm around? Both. <laughs> it's more for you if you're the sick one. Okay. Right. It's more for you if you're the sick one. Yeah. Uh, I think if you got the higher grade mask, that does more for you because it's protecting a lot of what you're breathing in. So if you got N95, if you're lucky enough to. I had some leftover old ones from doing construction. Actually, no, we bought them for visiting Bali when a volcano was supposed to erupt. So we bought a couple (laughs) of them. So I got a couple in the house and we got N95. And, uh, but, uh, around right. here, most folks are, are wearing the mask, but let's go back to, to that challenge. Now, now, now here, I, I, I should say, you know, we laid out Dr. Trin, we laid out some of your credentials when we started, I should lay out for Brad and I, our lack of credentials. We, we are, <laughs> we are not medical experts. We're not political experts. We are, we know just enough to be dangerous. He's a teacher. I got an engineering background and I got a Bible background. And uh, but we do know enough to ask some valid questions like most people. And so that's what this is. We're not prescribing answers, whether it's political or medical. But I think it's a valid conversation to have. And that that question that came in about uh, about is it still the right thing to to lock down to to me there the 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 
problem in the conversation, it gets stopped up when it just feels like an argument between how many people will die of coronavirus and how important our freedoms are. I don't think yeah. those are the only two. I don't think it's just it's either freedom versus death. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the conversation. There's a, a reality here that, uh, that it's not just, oh, I want more money, so I'm going to go back to work. Poverty kills people, quite literally. Poverty brings death all over the world. And as we, even as we stop working just in America, as other places, when you talk about like some of the places you visit, if you're going mm -hmm. into to Vietnam or, 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 uh, or into to Kenya or Peru or to so many, to most of the world, where when you quit work and the government can't just send you a paycheck, it doesn't work that way there, that, uh, that, they, right. that hunger happens very quickly. And I read one estimate that with all the lockdowns around the world, we're increasing the number of people who are seriously hungry by 200 million. That's a lot of people. Wow. And even the shutdown in America a trip contributes to that because as Americans spend less money, then people around the world who rely on our money, even those who are in America who are working here, who, who literally send money home because they can make more money in America, most of those people can't work. They're the, they're, a lot of those people are in the, the, the jobs where they can't work. They can't send money home and people are going hungry. So there's a, a trade-off here where you can't just say, oh, we need to stay in until, until the virus is gone because it's saving lives. It's also taking lives. And, uh, and it's causing mental illness, hunger, poverty, and, uh, and so many other ways. So there's, there's, a, there's more to the conversation than simply, oh, you just want your freedom so you don't care if somebody dies. It's deeper than that. Both sides of the conversation have valid points. I didn't prescribe any answers there, but I, <laughs> I, I hope that, that, there's, that people understand at least there's more to the conversation, especially those who just judge. I, I remember seeing when we, we, it was actually here in our town where we had the big protest, 3,000 people went out and, and some people were all about it and other people were, were texting, oh, the COVID idiots out there spreading it around. <laughs> so what do you guys think? How do, we, how do we actually bring all the variables into the equation and have a, a real discussion of what matters? Yeah, I think we just got to be practical. I think we all understand that everyone slowly needs to go back to work. Uh, I think there's also understanding that we don't necessarily all rush back to work at the same time. Uh, maybe there's a way to identify those who can go back to work early. You know, the young, maybe those who have been tested for that serology test and shows immunity in some way, like immune system that they've already been exposed to it. Maybe those are the folks that should go back to work now mm -hmm. uh, and are ready to go back to work, right? And, and so those are just common sense uh, thoughts about how we can do this in a phased way uh, that, uh, that also protects people, but at the same time, uh, get folks back to work so they can feed their family. Yeah. Yeah, the movie yeah. The Economy is not just so we can make more money. The economy supports life, like the, life. the whole the motion of the economy and money moving around. It's not just a story of the rich getting richer, that we have a, a functioning economy supports life as, as we know it. And it does make sense to, uh, to, to take a break when, when necessary, but it's not sustainable for a very long term. So we need a good plan going forward. Okay, brings me to another question that came up. What about this herd immunity thing? It, how does herd immunity work? And if it does work, should we be sending healthy people out to get it over with, to get it and get through it, get healthy? Should we send the kids to school? Cause they're probably not going to die from it. At least they can get it. And then once they've gone through it, they won't be contagious. Explain a little bit about herd immunity. 
herd immunity is when the majority of the population has acquired the antibodies to become immune to the virus or to whatever bug that is. So for example, if, if most of us have already had the chicken pox when we're young, right? Uh, let's say 90% of us have had the chicken pox when we're young. Uh, if you introduce a chicken pox patient around us, uh, that that chicken pox virus has nowhere to jump to to infect the next person because everyone else has built antibodies to it. That's herd immunity, hmm. where where you don't allow because most folks, uh, you know, 80, 90 percent of folks have already had the, the antibodies. They've been exposed. They've been infected and they're immune to it. The virus has nowhere to jump to next. So that's the whole idea behind herd immunity makes complete sense uh, with that. Now, the question is, why don't we just create herd immunity, get infected, and get it over with, right? <laughs> um, and that's a great point. That's a great point. So there's two concerns. One concern is that if we all went out and we all got infected, there may not be enough hospital beds for us, right? Right? And, and so that's the idea behind flattening the curve, Hmm. Flattening the curve means means you don't all get infected at once with this high curve and you run out of hospital beds, you run out of ICU beds, and you're like Italy where you're deciding who lives and who dies, right? Who's going to get the ventilator? Is it grandpa or is it somebody younger when there's no ventilators left, right? You don't want that scenario, and that scenario occurs when everyone is out to get infected because, because there will be those who will land in the hospital, hmm. right? So... There will be a lot who land in the hospital of every lot land in the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So herd immunity does make sense if if we all caught the infection at a slower rate over time, and we have the medical system with capacity to take care of those who do need hospitalization. Mm. Right. So so if there's an ICU bed available for you, then go ahead and get herd immunity and get infected. Right. If there's so but we can't but, all take that at the same time. Everybody <laughs> can't all do that at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you all want to go back and immediately and, and, and just get infected, most of the healthy will not need that ICU bed. The sick, the immune suppressed will need that ICU bed. So the idea is to make sure that the medical system has capacity hmm. as as we all get infected slowly one by one. And, yeah. and that's the idea. So so, yes, you can send the young kids back to school. But ask yourself, will those young kids, will you protect the grandparents from the young kids who will be hugging them? Yeah. How will you do that? Right. And that's complicated with when you got little kids. <laughs> Stopping them from touching people. I mean, that's kids are you are and schools. Brad knows working in school, but especially schools with younger kids like that. They are often the the carriers from one person to another uh, because they touch everything and they're not thinking about hygiene. Well, I think there's a lot more to that. We're we're quickly running out of time on this. And again, this is not a prescription. We we don't have the solution. I we we didn't start this out offering the solution for everything, but it does give some uh, give us some interesting and important things to think about as Christians to see both sides of the argument on this. And I think in the end, there, there's got to be some wisdom in. Uh, and we have been moving towards a progressive motion of taking stages to opening back up. 
it simply is unworkable and is dangerous for many people to just stay locked up for as long as it takes for nobody to have it. That's that's not going to be a solution. And it will it will ruin more lives than it saves in the long run. It's also dangerous to just say, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free, everybody out, just run for it. Like that's also not a sensible solution. We will completely release the curve and end up with uh, with more problems and a lot of people dying because we were uh, we were not careful about it. So it does make sense that there is a road in between, but those variables have to be measured in. We have to recognize that this isn't just a money versus life kind of question. It is, uh, there are lives that get lost in different ways through all of this. And as believers at the end of the day, we have to trust that God does work all things for good. And, uh, and you know, just that, that through the word testimony that you mentioned earlier, Brad, that, uh, you know, it took us through the words been around for about 10 years and it took us that long to, to reach a place where we started out from nothing. We got to a place just before the start, we were about at about 35,000 listeners a day, which is phenomenal. What God has done all glory to God in the space of the last month and a half, we've, we've more than doubled. We we've all the work that took 10 years in the last month and a half, we we've got more, we've got, we equaled what the first 10 years of work as people are seeking God through this many people seeking God through it. And for a lot of those people, it's just, it's not because they were dying of COVID. It was simply because they're locked up and, uh, and looking around at the world and it seems like what is going on. And they start looking for answers and they look to the Bible and, uh, and, and God is using it. Does that make it okay that somebody is out dying of COVID? I'm not saying it makes it okay. I'm not trying to equal those things out. I'm just saying as believers, we have to look to where God is using it and be part of that. And it makes it difficult for somebody who's doing medical missions. You had to cancel. My son was a part of your next trip to Vietnam. That had to get That's canceled. Right. That doesn't feel like a good yeah. thing, but I got to trust that God will work it out and that, that God is in control of, of all of this. Well, we, uh, that was my final soapbox. I think, uh, we're just about out of time, but, uh, uh, Brad, you look like you got something to share before we finish up our podcast. One of our main points we always want to say is, is grace always right. We want to find Mm -hmm. grace in every story, every topic, every discussion. And, you know, as we went through all this, uh, as Iggy pointed out, you know, we don't know where everybody's at. We don't, we're not walking in everyone else's shoes. And so ultimately Jesus calls us to love calls us to love. I mean, that that's point blank when he's asked, what is the greatest of the command? Like love, right? Love God and then love others. And so, you know, through this, uh, that's what I challenge everybody, you know, to do regardless of, of where you're at with it, you know, just love people, love people and realize, Hey, there's people going through this in different ways, you know, um, hurting through, through life being lost, through financial loss, uh, through, um, you know, there, there's uh, abuse going on, uh, suicide numbers are crazy, uh, depression, um, drug, drug related deaths are uh, like, it's, it's just, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. And so, you know what, if anything, if you don't know where to go on this and you don't know what, you know, just love people, love people and, and care for them, uh, the best that you can. And through videos like these or, or whatever it might be, you know, uh, love people. And, uh, and as, as a Christian, Amen. it's not about always having the answers. And I, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that, that we want to come across is we take on tough issues in the soul podcast. You know, we, we gotta, we, we talk about these things, but it's okay that we don't have the answers and we trust a God who does. And, uh, and we trust a God who doesn't just feed us all the answers for life and, and make it all easy for us. We walk through the same problems the rest of the world does. 
and uh, and trust that that God is using it. Hey, before we close out, I see one question came up on the comments, and I I, I want to honor that question and uh, direct this one to you, Dr. Trend. Um, uh, this is uh, a question. I have a family member at home who's got cystic fibrosis, so somebody who's compromised at mm -hmm. home. Can yes. I go out with a mask and then come back, wash up, and still be around that that person who's immunocompromised? Or do I need to stay completely in out of respect for, for not getting compromising them? Which, which is the better way to go about it? What do you think? Wow. It's not, uh, it's obviously not a, a black and white answer there. Uh, if um, it depends on, uh, on if uh, COVID is all over town or not, wherever this person lives, mm. right? Uh, and depends on, uh, I mean, if you're in a, if you're in an area where there's, where there's zero COVID, but who knows, right? Then then but obviously New York City and where we are in Orange County, you, there is very a different. definite difference, right? So so all that plays into a row, but uh, but definitely everything that that person mentioned, uh, wearing a mask, washing hands, um, all those uh, you know cleaning at home, uh, desanitizing things of that sort plays a huge role for any of our loved ones that we live with who are uh, immune compromised. So uh, so take extra precaution for sure, especially with uh, conditions like cystic fibrosis. Uh, but again, uh, not black and white. It all depends on, on how rampant COVID is or is not in your community. Yeah, so get a uh, but, sense but for the kind of risk that, that you are taking. And, uh, and don't take unnecessary risks. As, uh, as believers, we walk by faith, but... Uh, um, but taking unnecessary risk, if you remember, it was the, the devil tempting Jesus when he told him, just just jump and uh, angels will catch you. Don't worry about it. And the, and the devil manipulated the Bible to say to say, don't worry about it. God will just catch you that Christians aren't called to work that way. We're called uh, to walk by faith, but don't tempt the Lord. Be practical about about your living. Well, we're going to close it up because I'd say we are out of time. Uh, Dr. Tran. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, really blessed by it. Any time. I, I have one general advice when it comes to this. Oh, please do. And and this addresses the person also uh, who has a family member with uh, cystic fibrosis. If you if you live in a way as if you have COVID, you'll protect yourself and you'll protect others. Hmm. What I mean by that is you live in a way as if you have it. What you would do is you would be extra careful to wash your hands, clean your feet, right? And, you know, socially distance. Uh, if you live as if you have it, you will automatically protect yourself and others. That will be a, a general guideline when it comes to this. Yeah. Great yeah, I kind of uh, in all my hand washing, I kind of imagine that it's always there, but no, in my heart, it's not. I'm OK. <laughs> so so that's not living in the fear like, oh, my goodness, it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. That's the anxiety. Don't go. Don't walk around with anxiety about it, but just go through the routine like let's just do this as a training run at all times. I'm always training for it, even though I know I'm probably good. I know statistically, especially knowing where I am, it's pretty safe around here, but I'm not going to be stupid. So I'll just keep the training routine up and. Uh, and I'll make it through it. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much, Iggy. And uh, and thanks, Brad. Iggy, where can we get more information on uh, on Tongue Out? And where can we find more of your uh, your stuff online? Sure. Um, well, we have a website. It's just tongueout.org. 
if you're on Facebook, uh, you can go to uh, a Facebook page. It's called Health Talks with Dr. Trin. And, uh, and if you're on YouTube, we have a YouTube channel as well. I think it's just under my name uh, with that. So I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook Live every Thursday, 8 a.m. Uh, under Health Talks with Dr. Trin. <laughs> nice. All right. Fantastic. And uh, you can find more on the Soul Podcast at soulpodcast.com, S-O-L-E podcast.com. And uh, if you are new to this and you haven't heard of Through the Word, uh, Through the Word is an audio guide for the Bible. If you like Soul Podcast, you'll love the stuff we have on Through the Word. Every chapter of the Bible, we've got an audio guide to walk you through that in uh, in 10 minutes or less. Those of you who uh, who joined us on the, the live recording, thanks for doing that. Thanks for being here and supplying our questions. It is getting late, I can tell, as uh, all of our video screens get darker. Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for having a sense of humor, and uh, but also speaking from the heart uh, with this. Brad, why don't you close us out with a quick prayer, and we'll uh, we'll say goodnight to everybody. Yes, uh, Father God, thank you for this time, Lord. Just thank you for, for Iggy and who he is and his story, Lord. Just, uh, Lord, we just pray that there... There's people out there, Lord, that were impacted uh, through this message, Lord. There were answers that were given in certain regards, Lord, but just that everybody would just be safe, love each other, Lord, and uh, and just seek you, Lord, and that we pray for revival during this time. And just thank you for being here with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. amen. All right, good night, guys, and good night, everybody at home. Thanks so much for joining. That's all for the Soul Podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the story. Join us next time as the conversation continues. You can subscribe wherever great podcasts are found. And you can find every episode at soulpodcast.com. That's S-O-L-E podcast.com. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word. If you like this podcast, you're going to love Through the Word with audio guides for every chapter in the Bible. Join us for an epic journey through the entire Bible and understand the Bible in just 10 minutes a day. Get the app free at throughtheword.org. Thanks, everyone. Our producer is Brad Hornback. Audio production by Kira Joy. Video by Michael Kincaid. Audio editing by Daisy Short. On behalf of the whole team at The Soul Podcast, thanks for joining us. You heard the story, now go talk about it. Share a post, tell a friend, start a conversation, and we'll see you in the next one. You've got to hear that story.